I'm Drew Breesy, and this is the Com Center, the show that dissects 911 calls, emergency response video, and audio by two guys who have done both jobs. Coming up, John is going to play a round of Stump Drew with a call from Lansing, Michigan, that apparently reaffirms the old saying, don't play with guns. John is also going to interview someone he describes as, quote, one of the world's sexiest heroes, end quote. And are the dead communicating with us from beyond their graves or from other worlds? All that and what it means for your weekend on the Comp Center. City council members announced their plan to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. We're calling for defunding the police. Shootings in New York City have more than doubled this year. I love that song. Good morning, everyone. Unless, of course, it's nighttime, in which case, good night. Uh, this is Com Center with Drew Breezy. It's a TV show on the internet about two best friends who are called by a small town sheriff to investigate a filthy drifter named Dr. Pedro Afterthought, who has created a working replica of an alternate 1978 in which sweeping reforms to U.S. copyright law never took effect in the sheriff's basement. I'm John. I'm an active 911 dispatcher in the field. I'm joined, as always, by Lieutenant Andrew Baxter, formerly of the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. Drew is retired, and he's getting ready to set up his own new sheriff's office, in which he is the sheriff. We're working on that this summer. Uh, Drew, how have you been? How are you doing, bud? Good. We're, we're still laying the foundation. Uh, we got plumbing going in. We're going to rough in by uh, by Tuesday, hopefully, uh, which a contractor world means we're going to rough in by uh, February. Very exciting. I can't wait to see your sweeping reforms. I, and. Yeah. I truly can't wait to uh, to try to tame some of your excitement. I mean, you seem so excited about it. You will be the apparently the sheriff of the earth if you think that you're also the sheriff of me from from Florida. <laughs> Drew, uh, last week was a was a really heavy episode. We're gonna like swing hard in the other direction today. Uh, I was looking, I was searching the internet for positive, uplifting nine one dispatcher stories, and I found some. Guess what? Some nine one dispatchers have delivered babies. And we helped some toddlers do their math homework. All the good stuff that has <laughs> is always happening all the time continues to happen. And I hate to say that it's like not a big deal, but it's like we're trying to focus on what's really going on in, in the communications world and the stuff that is important. And it's hard because a lot of the stuff that we do every day just makes the news because it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so like finding, digging deeper as I often do, you know, you, I, I spend hours and hours every week researching what's going on in this world for the show combing the internet yeah combing it deep deep beach combing and uh sure enough uh everything i could find that's interesting to talk about is is uh fucking terrible beyond comparison uh stuff that makes you cry even to read a headline uh you know so, a, a common search that i'll do is 911 audio and body cam because like that's what suits our media needs and like sure enough like down in oklahoma we have a student beaten to death we have 911 audio and we have body cam and school footage from that you know we'll probably tackle that at some point just because it's something that matters to the modern world but last week was so heavy i just wanted to break far away from that so uh you mentioned at the start of the show that i was going to interview who i view as the world's sexiest hero yeah that's all you told me it's uh we're gonna bring him on on the show now surprise it's you drew uh why why is it you well i'm gonna tell you what we we try to get people on this show and um i'm gonna i'm gonna let the audience in on a small secret right now as some of you know i do many shows um and uh <laughs> i i hate having guests on you know why because like i have to like be super polite with them and uh various other things and fi find a way to be interesting but not creepy and weird but also like professional uh but somehow also my true self and it's just hard to do. But I tell you what, if I was doing a show and uh, I wanted to bring on someone to interview, it would be a 30-year detective, uh, police officer, communications comms director. It's like, if you weren't the host of the show, you'd be the perfect guest. I don't know if you realize that. Uh, well, maybe I'll just come. Maybe I'll just do like a continual guest appearance. You should. From here on out, you should just be a guest. <laughs> you should be a Tonight's guest. 
you know what's uh, interesting, Drew? I was, I've had many dreams about what would I would do if you died, particularly when you went on that cruise last year. Yes. And I decided that I would continue the show and I would continue to call it the Com Center with Drew Breezy in your honor. Just so God you know. bless you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a full succession plan in place. <laughs> Just so you hey, know. <laughs> hey, let's. Yeah. Thank you. In case I die. Uh, that's great news. So let's let's talk about for a second what uh, like. I don't know if you know this or not, but Houdini had a code word because he spent like though he was a, a magician slash illusionist or whatever. He spent most of his career debunking magicians and illusionists because he was angry because he wanted to contact his mother. You know, he wanted to have one last word with his mom, conversation with his mom, who was dead, right? So he he went to a medium, and they tricked him into believing that, you know, it was, um, you know, he was talking to his mom, and he wasn't really. So um, <clears throat> what he did was he went on this crusade as Harry Houdini, uh, to like expose all these uh, fraudulent mediums to include opening a, up his own like medium shop, I guess they call them. I, I don't know what they call them. Psychic dens. And <clears throat> my grandfather had a psychic den, but his was uh, just a sort of a carriage that was drawn by horses. <laughs> and he had a mirror that was behind a curtain and you would have to pay two dollars for him to draw back the curtain and it was sort of a portal into the other world but yeah that was i i saw him at the world's fair in 1986 yeah, he also sold uh, uh ice cream that had a lot of artichoke in it and he would also give you the correct time if you gave him two bits <laughs> uh in into his top hat i'm assuming in his spats uh it was really more of a derby it was I think, a derby. I think you underestimate or radically overestimate how old my grandfather was. So, yeah, right. I'm sure. He was probably in his 30s. So it, 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 he probably still is in his 30s. <laughs> he was in so, his 30s. That's your estimate of the age of my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, what Houdini ended up doing was, uh, like, he, he he told the world, look, don't don't fall for these mediums. They're... they're, they're is it medium or mediums? Mediums. Don't fall. For it sounds wrong, but it's mediums. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. you should be saying media when, it, when you're talking about one or more mediums. But that's yeah. That's only like when you're talking about like the news or like arts and crafts, like uh, stuff to use for arts and crafts. When you're talking about two psychics, it would be mediums. Yeah. Medium. Uh, I haven't seen mediums in my in my closet since junior high school. So uh, middle school for you kids. So. What Houdini did was he told his wife, like, to prove that, you know, it's it's bullshit. I want you to try to contact me after I die, which is something you just discussed about me, John. And the only way that you're going to be able to verify that it's actually me is if they tell you that I'm saying blank. Like, they came up with a code word. That's good. That's smart. Yeah, I think it's pretty smart too. And she's still, you know, though she's in in the other world, you know, she's still beyond. Uh, she's in beyond the this realm. Uh, she, they still have not connected. You know what I'm saying? Like she she kind of debunked all of these mediums. So why don't you, John, or, or maybe we can have the listeners do it for when I die, because you know it's a foregone conclusion. You're you're hoping sooner than later. So you can inherit the, this empire, this media empire that we've created. I am your biological son. It's only fair. Well, I, so we're not going to talk about that. That's, this is not a, the Father's Day episode. So we, uh, we need to come up with a code word. Maybe somebody can help us. Maybe we can have a temporary code word just until, you know, we, we get a good one from the, the chats or from uh, the comments or whatever. Any suggestions? I, I have nothing right now, but I, I would say, like, let's look to the chats to see what those are. And since we're live okay. and interacting with them in real time. Oh, Brittany, that's a great idea. I like that one. Oh, that was pretty funny, Abby. Abby. Yeah, Abby, that was that was filthy, Abby. You sort of disappointed me. Speaking of getting in touch with people who are not available to talk to, you can call us at 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. You can leave us a voicemail. We've got a voicemail to play at the end of the show. It's going to be a classic voicemail that's going to rock your world. Or it's going to be a voicemail you that you heard uh, some variation of 10,000 times. If you wanted to get a hold of Drew on Instagram, you could reach out to him at What Say Drew. Uh, if you wanted to reach me, you could do that at Difficult to Look at Pictures. Um, and of course, if you wanted to reach uh, probably neither one of us, you could reach us at The Cobb Center 
on Instagram. That's something that both Drew and I run, but I log in like once per week. And then I like I stumble into the middle of Drew's conversations, some of which are pretty spicy and with his significant other. So I have been asking for my access to that to be removed. Yeah, the, the problem is uh, like when when he logs in, unfortunately, I get booted out. Do you so, really? <laughs> it, sometimes. Oh, I so, should I should just log out forever then because I don't. No, no, don't do that. Uh, don't do that. I need the help, but but I mean like the uh, the the uh, and you're not on enough podcasts, John. Like you're not seen or heard enough. Are you worried that like uh, my value, whatever it is, just say X instead of like whatever you know? Not we don't need to actually like quantify yeah. it. Do you think that because I'm available almost everywhere and I'm almost unavoidable that it dilutes the appeal of this show because it's like, it's just one more show that John's on. Would it be better? Like if I canceled all other shows and only exclusively appeared here? Uh, maybe one day. Like when we hit the, like Friday or like, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I said my, my mic must've broke up. I said, maybe Monday, maybe, maybe by Monday. <laughs> I hate to give you an ultimatum, but you, you you need to kind of wrap up every other show that you're doing. You need to have like a, a, a goodbye episode. <laughs> just yeah, everyone. just you know, if you could get, we're, we're trying to get things all loosey goosey in here. Uh, look look, if you think that John should quit all other podcasts other than this one, put a one in the chat, and and, and then comment one on YouTube. <clears throat> and if you think he should stay where he's at, just comment one on YouTube or put a one in the chat. The funny thing is, no one will go for it because I constantly threaten to quit all my other shows all the time. Like yeah. uh, speaking to Felony Melanie, and uh, we uh, recently had Anthony Ganji on Hard Time and uh, posted about it, and she said she was listening to it. I'm like, I hope you enjoy Anthony Ganji because he'll be taking over for me from episode 52 onward. She goes, what? And she just completely like loses it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it would be horrible if you could only hear me on three shows a week. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> uh, so I constantly do that to people, constantly messing with them, pulling at their heartstrings. Uh, you know what? Come to think of it, John, my my the the sheriff's office concept that you just spoke of that you know is in sovereign fiction. sheriff's office. Yeah, yeah, it's the the sovereign sheriff's office. We could have like we could have our own jail tier talk. We could have our own like com center, the com center. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like we actually have the qualifications. We have. Uh, we could establish a whole sheriff's office. Of right. We have. You're right, but but my my jail show is called Hard Time, not Tear Talk. It's it's Hard Time with Jonathan Bates. No, I I realize that. I I, I was talking about the 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 better of the the podcast. Oh, yeah, the, no. the better of the corrections. I, podcast. You'd think I'd get mad, but I said on Hard Time that Tear Talk was a better podcast. So I'd be, <laughs> I you always beat your critics to the punch. That's how you can uh, that's how you could go through this life numb. Uh, there is one last one thing that I want to do before I begin the interview of you. And uh, this past weekend. Uh, Dewey, our producer, for those of you who don't know, we have a professional producer named Dewey. He's the one who makes the show a lot better. He actually got to meet Will Smith this past weekend. And uh, Amazing. I wanted to bring him on just to hear the story of that because that's kind of positive uplifting. So, Dewey, go ahead and, and jump on in. Dewey? It's on you. It's an amazing story. Come on, you're, Dewey. You're the producer. You not being able to jump in is kind of a bad look for you, bud. Okay. Where's we'll, he at? We'll, get, we'll give him a few minutes. He's working on his okay. microphone, everybody. I'm, we'll yeah, go ahead and start be. the interview, but uh to be honest like uh i mean if he doesn't jump in i'll just tell the story and pretend that it was me meeting will smith because that was a fucking amazing story uh drew i'm gonna give you uh several open-ended questions some of these are false dichotomies in which you must choose between two bad choices my <laughs> I, favorite i just want to see how you respond because as a detective i think you you often had to choose between two bad things like let a criminal go free or violate his constitutional rights like if you're if your life was law and order it would do that every single week so yeah. Um, and again, folks, this is just uh, to waste time until Dewey can fucking figure his shit out. All right, Drew, uh, how would you prefer to be woken up with a gentle tap on the bottom of your foot or a full speed karate chop to the throat? Uh, are you asking how I'm yeah. awakened? Because how, those are the two options. How, those are your, that's your false dichotomy. You can only get two of those. Um, and you say to the throat? Yeah. I mean that's gonna wake you up really good, and you're gonna have like a, a zest for the for the morning. My feet are very ticklish. Yeah, the, the, those who subscribe to my OnlyFans know that my feet are very Hobbit-like and they're very ticklish. Uh, so I, I think that that is a very cruel thing to do. I think the humane thing to do would just be to karate chop me right in the throat. 
for those of you that subscribe to my oldie fans, you will know that I have videos scolding people for taking off their socks or shoes at any time because put it, your shoes. It is honestly my up. my most serious quibble with Earth is that anyone ever appears barefoot at any time. I did a whole thing on this on True Crime, but like I just the beach is unacceptable. All those people walking around. I think it's awful. I have to turn off the light in the bathroom when I shower. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's awful. So I get on OnlyFans and I, and I, and I log into the foot section and I just try to change the world. Right. Like I, like I, I, I shame people at letting them know that, uh, by creating a market for that, uh, that they're, they're seriously deranging and ruining the substance of the universe. Dewey, are you here yet for, for the love of God, we're talking about feet. He's not, he's not here yet. I can't hear him. All right, Drew, we'll just, we'll just keep going. Jesus. Here, okay. here's here's a more a more seriouser joke although i'm not sure where you'll go with it more more seriouser question which job has more prestige a city police officer or a county sheriff's deputy oh please next question uh, i think we know the answer to that and it is definitely one or the other but i will say this uh both have their advantages the uh, and both have their disadvantages. Sheriff's office employees, sheriff's office, sheriff's deputies are at the mercy of a sheriff who is an elected official. Therefore, they are unable to piss the public off. It just doesn't work that way. City officials, however, are handed, uh, once you swear in as a city police officer, you are handed your badge. You're given a code of uh, probably traffic violations and then they remove all of your uh i I don't want to say empathy and compassion i mean not all of it uh so and for stupid people especially so if you're a city police officer and, and somebody is like quote acting stupid or whatever it is in your bylaws that you have to tell them that they're stupid then you have to do a video about it and put it on youtube and all that which one's more prestigious? <laughs> well, so I'm getting to that. Oh. So the, the thing is, what that does is it causes the, the very same people to run to the deputy sheriff and say, that officer over there told me I was an effing idiot. And uh, I think to myself, well, you probably are, but I've got no choice here because if I don't, <laughs> if I don't help you, you are definitely going to subtract one vote from my sheriff and if my sheriff finds out then he will fire me so uh i i I would say that the prestige comes with uh having to take the high road constantly and uh i'll I'll go with the deputy sheriff on this one i really meant more like in a fashion sense in florida don't they all have to wear like green and gold as a sheriff's deputy yeah police departments hand down hands down yeah they always look yeah definitely more prestigious yeah also like nobody becomes a cop to like serve papers right right Civil process is definitely the ugly, uh, the seedy underworld. What's the ugly side of being a city cop? Because they don't do, they don't have like civil shit to do. Uh, they don't. Uh, the ugly side of being a city cop is just uh, the the anger that you have to endure. Your own, you have to sit in your own like anger. It's it's basically like uh, a, a puppy who has defecated all over its cage. You, you just you have to sit in it until somebody comes home and changes. You know, changes. Did you get an allowance as a kid? Uh, some, yeah, sometimes actually. Was it like contingent to chores, or just because your parents loved you? Or yeah, actually, some. Well, my parents definitely loved me, but it was, it was, and you know, I hate to rub it in, John. I mean, well, I mean, everyone knows my parents didn't love me, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of based on chores. Yes, I mean, you know, there's plenty of chores to go around in in Western New York. There's a lot of shoveling. Uh, even in July, there's shoveling. So, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of stuff to do. Uh, generally, I, I, I mean, I, I, as far back as I can remember, actually, though, I, I generated my own income by uh, working, you know, as a paper boy. I was, I had a paper route. When he says paper boy, that's just because OnlyFans used to have a hard copy only edition that he used <laughs> to deliver to his subscribers. Extra, extra, right. <laughs> extra, extra, boy's feet edition. <laughs> <laughs> about chores though like do you do you think like making them uh, 
that pay contingent to chores teaches them the value of having a job or does it spoil them because it's like the whole point of having children is to do your labor like around your farm or whatever you know like <laughs> what do you do you feel like kids should like that that's good to make them work for for their money this or is... do you feel like that like like you're skipping out on your own free labor like you're jipping yourself you're making yourself a chump by paying kids to do things when they sh when they're for free yeah, but there, okay, this is a very interesting thing because I'm going through all of this right now as a parent, uh, and also uh, I'm going through this as the uh, as the shady characters that knocked on my door yesterday that wanted to trim the three trees out in front of my house. Like I paid them; it, it was basically an allowance to do chores. Yes or no? The adult version. How did it? How did it go? <laughs> well, I'm not. I, I was only, you know, they only attempted to stab me oh. before stealing. But the to money. say I'm but, not at liberty to discuss my trim trees, John. You have to. That's our bonus content that'll be coming out on Wednesdays, as you can find out about Drew's life. It's also on my OnlyFans. It's also on, which is still in hard copy. In case you uh, wanted to subscribe <laughs> to that, it's on uh, Blu-ray. Uh, Dewey, are you able to to jump in there? Uh, I I do want to get your story about beating Will Smith this past weekend. This weekend, meant Will Smith. It looks Dewey. like looks like he's still not able to jump in. Dewey, uh, you're the producer. I don't. You have a microphone. We heard you before the show, so it's it's weird that we're not able to hear you. I want to hear that I, Will Smith story. Like I am just. This is literally the biggest flapjack of all time. Waiting to hear the story. So it's rude that he's very not. very rude to the fans. It's rude to me. I am livid. Drew, what would you rather see fully legalized? Marijuana or raw milk? Oof. Um, man, uh, raw milk, you know, without pasteurization, I, I think that we, uh, we'd be setting us, setting ourselves up. The devil's lettuce is definitely, th there are addictive qualities in that. There's, there are also some passive qualities, uh, in dealing with trauma and, and such on the serious tip. Raw milk though, that could be, um, well, I mean, if, if marijuana is the devil's lettuce, Raw milk would be what Jesus's uh, Jesus's Kool Aid, I guess. I guess I, I mean that tracks. Yeah, and uh, I, I I just don't know what they're feeding the cows is the problem. So, and you seem to have a, a, a like a you're very anti Wisconsin, and I get it. Well, th th there's no we don't need to bring Wisconsin into it with any kind of thoughtful or reasonable discussion of milk because none of it comes from there. So, not one drop, Melanie. There's not even a homogenization process. I I I don't I like my my milk heterogeneous, you know. Oh, do you? Yeah. They should just let him get married. <laughs> I, I, I'm against it, but I'm against really, it. I mean... But someday I'll be for it, you know. So whatever's <laughs> right. the most convenient thing. Uh, right. Drew was COVID nineteen the filthy revenge promised by ousted Papa John's founder John Schneider. Yes, it was. So was COVID-20. See, that's what I thought, too, because he's on the news and he's all sweaty. He goes like, I'm going to get all of you guys. Yeah. I'm going to get he all was of like, you. He's and, literally like, I was just repeating what somebody else said. And then he's on 60 Minutes. And then, like, so the interviewer is like, he's like, I'm, this is my one chance to be a journalist for real. Like, I'm not interviewing, like, Joe Biden. I'm interviewing John Schnatter. So I'm going to hold his feet to the fire. He's just like, what is your revenge? Is there a reason why you can't say right now? What is that? And, and John Schnatter's just like, just wait. Just wait, baby. And they, and they go like, why should we wait? And like, it was actually like a You'll great see. interview. <laughs> go, go watch that uh, Papa John's founder, John Schnatter. I will. I, I want to. I, I'm sure he's like in the back of his mind. He's thinking, I gave these people fresh ingredients. Gave them better pizza. I gave them better, better, better pizza. I had uh, the Manning brothers involved. Yeah. It was Shaquille O'Neal probably. Uh, what is your favorite uh you know, pizza to just, uh, I am a hometown pizza guy. Like I, I truly am always on the, there's a, there's a place like a couple of miles from me called Capri pizza that I use. Uh, I, I've got a, you know, I've got kids here, so they're all about Papa John's. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Western New York again. I'm saying this, uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart, like he's also doing it to dox himself in the past in case you get to time travel, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't find my old address but uh at 24th and whitney so but but the thing is there's quality pizza all over like 
how dare you? It's a city of Italians, essentially. Italians, Polish, like, you know, it's it's a New York melting pot, basically. But um, how dare you eat commercial pizza when you've got a bunch of pizzerias that you can choose from? And, and I kind of feel that way here. Like, you don't get the same quality, <laughs> even if they are fresh ingredients. Yeah. Now I know that I know that Dewey likes to go to a uh, a local place that uh, right around from the from the corner uh, from where he lives. Uh, Dewey, are you there? Did you want to talk about how like sometimes you and your, yeah, you and your significant asking. other walk over to the place over there? Like we. Oh, you and here I, he is. Oh no, he's he's not there. Dewey, you and I literally went there last summer. Do you remember after I moved out, you and. You and I went over there, and they have that beer vending machine where you just pop in a quarter, and a, like a five dollar beer comes out. It's amazing. It's like a John Cougar Mellencamp video. It's like a yeah. It's well, you know, and they got arcade games there. I, okay, I guess I love he's, it. He's still working on it. He's furiously working on cords. I guess it's some sort of hardware issue. Uh, Drew, this is uh, that's this, annoying. Yes, it's annoying when you have, <laughs> and it's also annoying when you have to like produce a, a interesting podcast and your whole <laughs> beginning is not happening. Uh, which of these statements is true? Uh, because you're a jet setter. Uh, a, it is best to be first to board the plane, so you're not climbing all over people and struggling to store your luggage. Or B, it's best to be last to board the plane to minimize the amount of time you're on the plane. Uh, well, fully knowing I am a jet setter via train. Uh, you know that I... Jet I, train, yes. yes World's most dangerous trains. You know that I travel via rail mostly. Um I've got to say, uh, getting on the plane first is my utmost priority. I, I usually uh, pay a lot extra to do so. Yeah. I've, I've, because I, I've here's the problem, first John. Class, Drew. Can you believe that? I have. You, the, the thing is. <laughs> just, just reminded me. Oh, yeah. I have. Right. I don't even know why I do uh, a podcast with some coach chump. In fact, uh, your parents and I sat up in first class and talked about you. My parents are not first class people. That was never, <laughs> That's the least believable thing I've ever heard you say. Uh, John, you know this as well as I do because of your stature. Uh, I am a six foot four fella. So walking, uh, walking down the aisle is not a picnic. Uh, I don't want to walk too far down the aisle, maybe four or five seats in max. And um, I, I know that you feel the pain of uh, having to crawl over people. So being last in the plane is, is uh, I, I do understand you're minimizing your time on the plane, but most of the time spent like idling is like on the taxiway or on the runway. So you would be on the plane anyway. Yeah. Uh, folks, you have to understand, first of all, I live on the fucking moon. So like for me to get at an airport, I like literally have to get into a crop duster, which flies beside a regional airplane at like low altitude. And I have to walk across the wings and get into the regional flight to board that plane. It's a boat to boat situation. It's a boat to boat situation (laughs) in the fucking air. Like that's, I have scarf and goggles and the whole thing. And, uh, but when I get over to the regional airplane, it's still so small that I cannot stand up inside. And it's like, I feel like I'm flying around in like a little, a little Tylenol casket thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I hate flying on those tiny airplanes. And, and then, of course, I'm not afraid to fly, but I'm all, because I always have to take these smaller planes. You know, I always see some guy like on the tarmac, like pulling the ripcord to get the engine started or something. Or there's a little kid nearby. He's got like a, uh, he's got like a remote control. I just wonder like, Who's really flying the plane? Dewey, are you there yet? For the love of God, man. All right. He's not there. All right. Just a couple left, and then I guess we'll just do the case. Haunted house or haunted hayride, Drew? Oh, haunted hayride all day. Uh, yeah, like when, when they come out and scare you, haunted hayride. I, I, I don't like uh, getting dirty. I know that that's hard to imagine. I don't like getting dirty like you don't like feet. You know what I'm saying? So I, I understand that you're wanting to impose rules on people that are at the beach that they should leave some type of footwear on. Um, you know, I'm more of a like uh, so so it would kind of almost, you know, go counter to my opinion of uh, Hayride versus Haunted House. You can see the hay and brush it off afterwards. You can never get like the dirty ESP stuff off of your. You know what I'm saying? You can no, you can never get the dirty um, like uh, psychic stuff off of your yeah because you can't see it. It's 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 actually uh, psychic medium dust. 
you can never get that off. I, I like the hayride because like there's always a potential for either situation that you're not scared, but at least in the hayride, like you've actually paid to go somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you could go through a haunted house and then at the end you're like, well, I'm not scared. I'm in the same place. Like at least the hayride's taking you like to the other end of the carnival or something. Like uh, uh, you well, or, somebody's yeah, and somebody's hand and sickle created that vehicle for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dewey, are you coming on? Uh Dewey? No, he's not here yet. Sorry, I thought I heard a crackle in my ear. And I didn't. All right. Okay. Drew, what's your perfect bedtime snack? <laughs> it used to be Chateaubriand. It is now... Um... That's a beer for everyone listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 25%. Actually, 106% alcohol by volume. It, it, you actually owe it alcohol. When it, at the end, it actually sobers you up. It, <laughs> yeah, you it evaporates so quickly. Then you drink that, and it actually subtracts unto itself. Right, it, and then it pays. It actually pays you uh, somehow. Uh, I, I think my uh, my current uh, favorite. Um, you know, th- there's always a charcuterie board laying around the bedroom. Uh, that's very strange, you know, and I wish I had known about that to start the interview. Well, it's, I mean, come on, man. It's in the kitchenette of the bedroom. Oh, okay. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, look, I'm not weird. I thought it was like another page in OnlyFans. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say that or dry, uh, just some very simple dried apricots. We're going to do uh, charcuterie uh, accoutrement on the next uh, open-ended Drew episode if, in case Dewey never gets this thing finished. John's going to construct a charcuterie board. Uh Last last question because we actually do have a case to do today, and apparently, um, you know, we'll we'll give Dewey like two more minutes. Dewey, this is your notice. Drew, who do you think is a happier man, you or me? Uh, outward or inward? Oh, that that just made my decision right there. Uh, it's obviously you. Um, uh, I'm just sad, too too sad to even discuss it. So it was kind of a heavy question, like a real, real question that like harkens to the core. Uh, Dewey? Fuck. All right. All right. Last question. Okay. My grandfather could not eat Belgian waffles because it reminded him of the casualties suffered by Allied forces during Operation Market Garden in World War II. Yes. Really, really more of a. Statement. I was going to say, right. that's the <laughs> same reason I can't eat French fries. That's why I still call them Freedom Fries. <laughs> I call them freedom fries as well. See, every once in a while, Drew, you and I have like this weird, like the, this goes back to the Boulder and Scully action. Yeah, k- kismet. Like. So, uh, yeah, so please don't tell me that I'm the happier one. All right, Drew, uh, Dewey, last chance to defend Wisconsin. Nothing. Coming right. down in three, two. Is he even here? I don't know. Can you throw up a banner or something to indicate that you can still <laughs> hear? He's He's gone. He's out of the building. All right. He probably left. He probably like. Uh, hopefully he hasn't fallen ill. All right, folks, we're going to talk to you about a case uh, because that's what this show actually is. It's not just sitting around wasting time for no reason. Uh, we're going to talk about a case out of Lansing, Michigan, which is the capital of Michigan. This took place on December 1st, 2023. Um, I like this case because it was something I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Um I don't want to ruin too much because I also like the other one, the other case from a, 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 diff, a completely different set of weeks ago where we just react to things without knowing what was going on. And that was kind, kind of, of what I'm doing. So, so Drew has not seen this video. It's going to contain 911 calls as always. Um, and it's going to contain body cam footage. I'm going to go ahead and start this, Drew, if you're ready. Yeah, go for it. Dewey? 911, what is the location of your emergency? Um, Massachusetts Avenue. Massachusetts Avenue? Yes, in Michigan. Perfect. And then your name? Redacted. Can you tell me exactly what happened? Uh, my hum- my husband's really drunk, and he just slapped me across my face, and he's just really super drunk, and he's getting violent. Okay. Did he have any weapons on him? Um, he did, but he uh, threw it in the car, so it's, I have it. What did he use or have? Um, he has a gun. All right, so Drew, you're responding to the scene. You've been told, uh, you know, possible intoxicated person, possible uh, domestic violence call. If she's been slapped, that is 
simple assault domestic. I'm sure Florida has its own designation yeah. for that statute. But so, you know, you're going to what is uh, statistically one of the more dangerous calls for a police officer to respond to. You're going to probably be going with a cover unit. Yeah, just, uh, domestic and, violence, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're going to go to a cover unit. This guy's uh, got a firearm. Obviously, that that increases uh, uh, the sense of danger here. Um, she says that she got the fire away, arm away from it. Are, are you a, are, are you assuaged by that? Do you still, are you still at set at 11 knowing that you're going to a domestic with a gun or, or what, what, what's your feeling going into that? Yeah. A lot can happen in between the time that you, uh, that the call gets put in CAD and the, the, the time the officer arrives. I mean, there's a gun, obviously there's an agitated drunk guy. There's a vehicle involved somewhere and, um, you know, he, he could storm the Bastille and, and reclaim his firearm at any point. Bastille Day is July 14th. It's the French yes, Independence Day. Congratulations, yeah. Drew. Another reason why you and I are meant to be together. But another 911 call from the neighbor. Ingham County 911. What's the location of your emergency? Um, I'm going to Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Yes. And what'd you hear? I hear a gunshot and I hear a female crying and screaming. I hear crying and screaming. Uh-oh. How many gunshots did you hear? One. Massachusetts, additional units in command for information. Massachusetts have another caller who said they heard a single gunshot and now I hear a female crying. In the front room by the door, and I hear a female crying, the neighbors, and he just came out like 10 minutes ago and he was going crazy about his baby mama, female, whoever. And then I hear her crying and screaming. So I don't know what's going on. I didn't get over here, but I got my door closed because it's outside now. I don't know. Are they all outside? No. She got shot She shot Yeah, he shot her. I said he shot her. I'm at the front door, but my son was in the bathroom. And he, she saying that he shot her. Priority update. Uh, sounds like the female has been shot. This is going to be a confirmed shooting. We'll get LFD in route. What do you see? What do you see? I don't see shit. I got my door closed. I don't want to get shot. All right, Drew, things have really escalated there. It looks like a single gunshot has been fired. The females but was overheard by a neighbor screaming. The neighbor's close enough that she can actually hear the like the substance of their entire argument out there in the driveway that they're arguing about, you know, familial problems, which is, you know, usually the reason why these things get heated. As you're responding to the scene, Drew, now you know that there's uh, at least one casualty, at least one female shot. How does this tra- change your whole approach? Uh, we got to get there and save the victim. We got to make sure that nobody that she doesn't get shot again. I mean, she's the one calling, saying, "I got the gun away from him." Now she's saying, "Now there's a second report that is saying I got." Uh, there's a second report saying she's been shot. So obviously he has reclaimed his firearm, or you know maybe there's just something more to it than that. But uh, the brutally honest neighbor who said, "I ain't looking out there. I'm not getting shot." Uh, has reported that she can hear crying, which is, you know, what we have to go off. of. We have to go off of the fact that th- there was a guy, quote, raising Cain or whatever she said, raising hell and about his uh, family. And uh, then there was a gunshot and then there was a female crying. So uh, th- there could be a few scenarios such as she shot him or, you know, but let's let's just see what happens. Okay. As a 911 dispatcher, I'm talking to this person and uh, I have mixed feelings because the 911 dispatcher is trying to pump this person, right? Like right now, they seem to be the best source of information. We already talked to this female 911, female domestic violence suspect says she was slapped, that she got the gun away. Uh, But that phone call is over. We're not getting more updates. You probably heard uh, the dispatcher uh, give a broadcast over the air there. The beeping tones were emitted because that's an annoying sound for a podcast. But while they're, they're taking a 911, the second 911 phone call from the neighbor, a dispatcher's broadcasting updates to the units who are flying there with lights and sirens. Drew, uh, you know, that a, the firearm has been discharged. You've got a person crying. You believe at least one person, the, the dispatcher said a confirmed gunshot wound. You're getting out of there. I mean, your your gun's uh, already uh, unclipped from its holster before you're even out of the car. You're going to be up there hard charging. Any, Definitely more. Any special weapons or tactics that you might use, uh, since there's probably going to be more than one of you before you approach the scene? Uh, no, it's going to be an approach with caution anyway, but I am uh, I I was never a uh, rifle guy. I'm not anti-rifle, but I was never a rifle guy. So, yeah, you're right. My, my gun's probably out. My, um, my handgun is probably out as I approach. Um, and I'm obviously, you know, surveying the scene, trying to find 
you know, even if you have to follow the trail of blood, but you're not going to just run in blindly unless, uh, especially if she's saying that the victim's on the outside. So, right. Now, uh, what's your number one priority right now? The victim who could be bleeding out could have a serious wound that, you know, she could expire at any time. The apprehension of the suspect or what is it that's your primary thought as you engage the scene? Well, we, we want to get them to safety, but we also want to secure that firearm. We don't want any more. I mean, you got to stop the shooting also, uh, but, you know, you need to balance that with uh, saving the victim. You, you want to make sure that we're saving the victim from further violence, first of all, but second of all, you got to treat the acute injury. But then on top of that, like, you've got to just make sure that um, we're not susceptible to that. If I understood you, both are extremely top priority, and you just do whatever you can do as soon as you can get there. But obviously, it doesn't do you any good to rescue anyone if you get shot. So I would say yes. gun, high number one, and then rescue rescue, uh, rescue domestic violence victim, like at 1.1, maybe, before you even get to a two. Yeah, pretty close tie. Pretty close tie. Here's something else to think of as a 911 dispatcher. Uh, you got a, a man and a woman here, domestic violence. You always want to know who else is in the house, right? Do we have kids here? It's uh, becoming more and more prevalent. I encourage you guys, if you haven't done this, I'd have to do a lot of research uh, for other shows that I'm on. But like family annihilation is a thing. Like fathers will uh, shoot their wives, shoot their families, sometimes even their pets before they do themselves. And it's one of the saddest crimes that exists out there. And if you've um, if you've got a police officer going to the scene of a domestic violence shooting, you, there's always an outlying chance and you have to be prepared for those outliers that what you're actually heading into is an active shooting situation, right? Where, uh, you know, we have one, at least one down at this point, potentially others, uh, and, but we don't have complete information. Drew is a police officer, has got to do the best he can. He's driving. He's not reading his CAD notes. He's just getting those broadcasts from the air. But he's got to jump out of his car with a gun like a total badass to go in there and save the day and do everything sure. in the correct order, not get himself or his partners killed. It's it's completely complex and it's tough. And it's a call that no one respond no no one really wants to respond to. Uh, it's also a situation that has set up some of our most controversial use of force cases in this country, particularly in the last four years, where police officers are having to respond to a scene. They're being called to respond to a terrible and dangerous situation with limited amounts of information. They have to protect everyone's rights, protect everyone's safety, and enforce the law all at once. And they're doing this with a gun in their hand, no information in the dark, uh, usually uh, with information that uh, we're trying to get from dispatchers. And uh, to wrap up that final point, uh, your best source of information at this point doesn't want to look out the window because she doesn't want to get shot. That's right. And part of me is it wants to be like, come on, just just take a glance. But at the same time, yeah. I've talked about this before, like liabilities and my own dispatcher. You have to constantly tell people not to put themselves in danger, whether they're just following someone on the interstate and they want to get a license plate of someone who uh, merged rudely or something. You know, that that might or might or might not be a true story. Um, yeah. They're always trying to, to, to do that. So you have to remind them not to put themselves in danger. So not always. But yeah. So this, because in this case, it's very clear cut. She's like, yeah, I ain't going. Yes. Out. I'm not stupid. I'm this not is, going out there. Right. This is not a marginal situation. You, yeah. you, you would not tell someone to look at the window. But part of you wants to because you yeah, want to get that information. But here, you know, your 911 caller, you finally you're talking to someone with some sense. who says, I ain't looking out there. I ain't getting shot. You really don't want another victim. So as frustrating as it is for a 911 dispatcher to get the best information possible to the police officers, the neighbors taking cover is really the best thing you can do. John, do you feel that there is a scale of uh, willing to cooperate and being smart and then somewhere in the middle is what we're looking for? I actually think it's a full three-dimensional matrix because there's also, because self-image comes into it, so often uh, okay. people will call and they want to be a hero. Um Someone will call in and they'll tell you the details of someone who's in need, but they're not putting themselves at any kind of risk, even in a low risk situation. And then as soon as you have the actionable information to start working on it, they'll tell you why. I'm a mandatory reporter. I am an Eagle Scout. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's just like you like they want they want to take a moment to like be on par with like the quote unquote real heroes. And it's like I don't have time for that. So so you're getting a, a mix of intelligence. Uh, situational awareness and self-image sometimes in callers. And uh, 
I hate to say this, but it's like many 911 calls. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I could be an outlier 911 dispatcher. Maybe I'm not representative of all 911 dispatchers. So I'd say this, but it's like, man, what a psychological head trip that was. Why did they call? Why did they respond that way? You know, who, who the hell knows? But uh, officers are now going to respond to the same scene. We're going to go to the body cam footage. So, Drew, this is kind of where, uh, kind of where you, uh, you do your best work. So we're going to go ahead and go to that. These are body cam footage of two officers responding to the driveway. 34, go. Was that supposed to be the driveway? As far as we know, she was out front. No way she is over. We don't know a current location. Screaming. Nine one one. what is the location of your emergency? Oh, we got a third call. Oh, officers no. are charging up. Officers just jumped out of the car. What we just saw was two police officers getting out of the car. It's a cold, rainy night in Lansing. They get out of the car. At least one officer has a rifle in his in his hand. They get out of the car. They can hear screaming, which, of course, Drew, uh, pretty much means you're good to go and charge in that situation. It's in the driveway. You've got no uh, issues about you know curtilage or privacy. We've got an emergency situation. Someone's calling for help. We're going to go in there hard charging, particularly with what we know with the victim. But now we've got a third 911 call from children inside the residence. So this is coming in right as the police officers are going up the driveway, and it's going to change the color of everything that happens, but not necessarily the outcome, as we'll discuss. Um, this is Jesus Avenue. No, this is my daughter. What's going on? Are you, is she hurt? <laughs> Okay, so the call comes in from inside the house. Children are saying, you know, uh, the 911 dispatcher is ready to respond with full empathy to a gunshot mom and kids there. And he, she, you know, the dispatcher says, is your mom hurt? And the kid's crying. And she says, yes, she was slapped which is serious, but we have been operating the entire time as though this woman has been shot with a gun. We've been responding. Uh, and, and, and Drew, you, you can comment on this probably more quickly than me, but it wouldn't have changed any of our response because a firearm is definitely involved. A firearm has been discharged. But now we know police officers are, it's too late to update them on what's going on with this victim, but she hasn't been shot. Drew, what were your thoughts as soon as you realized uh, in retrospect only that uh, no one has been shot so far? Well, my first thought was a uh, cold, rainy night in Lansing is my favorite Van Morrison song. The second thing I thought of was um, when, when you hear the kid talking, I, I don't know how quickly that information is going to be conveyed. You got the officer running up to the scene. Uh, the kid may not know there's a gun involved in this either. So the, the kid's like, no, 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 no. I don't know where you guys are talking about a gun. She was slapped. And then, of course, the officer runs up there, and the guy had a gun the whole time. Yeah. Um, the, I, I think that the kid, I think, the kid says the gun was fired to scare her. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Yep. I did. Now I do remember him saying that. But um, yeah, we, uh, well, the other thing, too, is, John, um, gunshots don't look like they do in the movies. So. You know, if a kid sees mom, uh, his mom getting shot, he may not know she's actually shot. You make a you make a good guess. point. She's the kid's saying that no one is shot. It's possible that the kid doesn't know. And what you're adding is uh, probably what all the dispatchers are feeling. What the fuck is going on? Is somebody shot <laughs> right. or not? Because we've been, right. we've been told by a neighbor that a shot was fired. A woman started crying. We uh, you heard the dispatcher say confirmed gunshot. Now we have a kid who's at the scene who maybe in full view right the, the neighbors cowering under the window or or uh, in the basement or something but definitely not face to face the kid says the gun was fired in order to scare her and that so far her her most grievous injury is being slapped in the face which i'm not minimizing but i'm just saying like that's not necessarily something that we need a, a you know a full advanced life support trauma helicopter right. ride necessarily for it, it changes changes the medical outcome right we already heard the dispatcher say that we're putting an ambulance on standby. Ambulance is going to come anyway for a simple assault domestic just to, to assess the victim. But any EMT, any paramedic is going to tell you a GSW and a slap. They're just they're they're leagues apart. Right. That completely changes the entire situation. You don't need a tourniquet for you do a not slap. need a tourniquet. So now we've got police officers charging up the scene. Drew, there's no more 911 calls from here on out. It really is body cam footage. 
Yeah. I'm going to let you uh, analyze from here. Show me your hand! Show me your hand! Show me your hand! Get on the ground! Get on the ground now! Get on the ground or I will shoot you! Get on the ground now! Get on the ground! Get on the ground now! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's where the here's where the uh, the the suspect is shot. You can see he reaches down with his right hand. There's a gun inside his belt loop on his right side. Yeah. He uh he got into a surrender position right down on his knees, hands above his head. Uh the cops are screaming at him. He's saying, Whoa, 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 bro. He's in a very, very surrender position. I think he's almost like saying, You guys are blowing this way out of proportion, which I say to you, you shot a gun to scare somebody. You thought that you could uh, you could be like a, a cowboy in a movie and fire off a warning shot uh, to get your woman to comply with your needs, and you think two police officers are not going to come running at you with rifles? Now, this is where it all goes horribly wrong, and there's no way to change society or educate people on this, right? Because the right move in this situation is to get on your knees or lay on your stomach or follow whatever commands, but do not reach for that gun. My feeling yes. in this moment, Drew... Is this guy is in he because he believes his life is a movie where he could fire off a shot in a neighborhood near his wife, probably gave her like ear damage or something, let alone himself, and scaring the kids and the neighbors. And he just thinks no police action is going to come out of this for whatever reason. He thinks he's going to pick up that 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 pistol or that revolver with his thumb and forefinger by the very bit of this of the of this of the handle and throw it off in a surrenderous move. And not get shot because that's how it is in the movies, right? The one hand is up, they reach down, they pick it up with the thumb and forefinger by the barrel or the end of the handle, and they throw it off. They throw it far away, and they're taken safely into custody. False. Look into the car. This guy's kneeling by the open driver's side door of a car. We've got a victim right there. We don't know if she's been shot or not. We've gotten conflicting reports. He's reaching down. He's got a pistol in his waistband. And uh, he's uh, not complying because I'm sure no one, the police officers are not telling him, reach down for the gun in your waistband. Yeah. Uh, we don't have footage of him getting, being blown uh, to hell, uh, but that is exactly what has just happened to him. He has just been shot. Uh, Lansing police officers, we have two, four, two four-year officers responding to this. After he shot, we could see the, the pistol there. Um, it's some matter on the car that's being blurred out. The pistol is uh, still in the driveway, so we for sure know that he had one. Of course, the report of the pistol is there. Officers here are beginning a CPR to save his life. And of course, uh, I don't know if you know this out there, uh, civilians, CPR and, and trauma just generally don't mix when you've got a hole in your circulatory system yeah. because you've been pierced by a bullet uh, doing CPR. You're literally really, pumping. You're really out. pumping blood out out through the the hole in the system. So, Hey, uh, John, so was that like... I was looking at a very small screen, but is that is that the only gun, or was there a gun in his waistband and a gun he used uh, to scare her? So far as I know, it's the only pistol. The chief of police of Lansing narrates the video, and he says that a pistol was found at the scene. I'm not sure if uh, that pistol that you saw was after they went over, secured the suspect, uh, maybe moved the pistol away from him so they could start doing CPR. Drew, you would know better better than me if you're going to take somebody who shot and you're securing the pistol. Where are you putting that? Are you you kicking it across the room, cowboy style? Are you locking it in your car right away? Are you tucking it into your jacket? Are you going to look at it and run, and uh, bother the 911 dispatcher by running the serial number on it to see if it's an NCIC weapon? What's your first move? Uh, that is completely case by case because if it's a homicide, the guy's dead right there, um, and, and no one else is near it. This this scene's going to be cordoned off anyway, right. and no one's going to be able to get in, and no one's going to be able to get to the gun except for the dead man. And dead men tell no secrets, uh, so we we'd probably want to leave it just for proximity's sake. If not, if not anything, snap a couple photos real quick and grab it and secure it, um, just in case there's people, you know, cats walking through there or something that might you know take a hold of it. Um, but you're either going to leave it. I, I mean, you know, this this sounds like I'm I'm being contradictory. You're either going to leave it or you're going to pick it up and secure it and, it put, and stick it in your trunk. The female victim was not shot. Okay. Okay. So he literally did just fire off a round just to scare her. And unfortunately, because of his thoughtless and reckless behavior and frankly, his abusiveness, because slapping a woman and shooting a gun to scare her is uh, pretty much beyond the pale. At that point, well, at that point, you're trying to enforce your will on a, on a woman who who 
by all rights should not be with you. Uh, but but you're you're you've ratcheted up a situation in, in which now you have made yourself susceptible to deadly force by police officers. No, well, uh, there's a couple of uh, just not justification. Well, yeah, justifications right there. If you look at the video again, you'll see that he is on his knees and he's reaching with his right hand into his waistband and his left hand is almost at the victim, which would to me indicate, okay, if the guy's six feet, that means he's only three feet away because his arm is probably, you know, two and a half feet or whatever. So he's three feet away from this victim, at which point he could easily take the gun out and not even point it at the officers, but just load two or three rounds into her before they, you know, obviously they're going to have time to react. He's not going to die immediately, though, so he could still get the rounds off. He he still could take the gun out and point it at them, yeah. Um, or he could, you know, you know, shoot himself. Who cares? Kind of. Uh, but the thing is, um, once you put your hand on that gun, like it, it's all bets are off. It's the imminent threat of death or great bodily harm to yourself or somebody else, and you have uh, the imminent threat of death to to yourself or somebody else and you have the imminent threat of great bodily harm to yourself or somebody like you have all four he's very very well covered i believe it'll it'll turn out to be a justified shooting of course yeah you know it's it's still under investigation for probably the next three years yeah and they're going to wonder if they're going to be charged over it and everything but 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 the thing is i i also i do understand too that um you know just the same like officers are trained in that civilians aren't so when they see cops running at them and they know they got a gun on them maybe their inclination is to grab the gun and just throw it out to kind of show them like but that's that's the worst reaction you can have once you put your hand on that gun that you've taken the um you've taken the guesswork out of what's going to happen i think that's i think that's what happened to tamir rice too i think he was trying to in his uh nine-year-old brain he was trying to comply with i get it I, i do get it but but you can't that's a gamble you're, you're not going to risk. It's a gamble you're not going to take. And it's not because, you know, they celebrate shooting people or whatever. It's because the, the inverse. It's because that if you give them that extra step, it, it, there's no sense in waiting around to see what's going to happen. It's, right. it's, it's going to be tragedy uh, one side or the other. And this is a kill or be killed situation, unfortunately. I, I like the comparison to, to Tamir Rice because there was so much outrage over that case, right? A little kid gets uh, shot by a police officer because he was playing with a fake gun. This is a grown man playing with a real gun, right? Yes. He, uh, he th- he's one of these guys where he thinks he could take it out, cock the hammer, uh, work the action, use the, use the weapon for intimidation purposes, which is not what a gun is for, uh, to get his, uh, his uh, significant other to comply. But this this is uh, it sounds cheesy or stupid, but like this is the message. You cannot count on a police officer to not shoot you in a scene where you're being a felony felony arrested while you're armed. You have to not play with guns. That's literally the message we have to give to kids and to adults alike, that if you take that gun out and you think that you're going to you're going to use it for some other purpose than killing someone, whether you're, you're playing at the park or you're cajoling your woman to to respond to you, uh, you're you're going to get yourself shot. Police officers don't have time to respond in that moment. And if you go back and watch that, Drew, which you don't need to do, but he goes, hey, hey, bro, like, you know, when you're a police officer, Drew, and you're charging at the scene, you're probably taking no note over the tone of his voice, his disposition, uh, other, other signs of surrender other than his body posture. But it, it just struck me that in that situation that as uh, he's giving himself up in the driveway, that he thinks that like this entire situation is way overblown. Yeah, a- actions. Uh, you know, so they say actions speak a lot of them words. But in, in a, even though it's a split second thing, as a police officer, you're pointing a gun at somebody. You have to evaluate the actions and the words. But the, the words, I mean, the uh, the actions way outweigh the words in this situation. The, the minute he touches that, it's it's done, and and you got to react as if. So so even if he says like. Uh, look, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a peace loving, you know, like I, I raise puppies, you know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what he's saying at that point. The, the fact is he's going to grab the gun and it could be his panic and it could be very unfortunate, but also I, I think, you know, towards the argument and we've had the priming episode already, we'll have another one. I'm sure 
the, the officer is primed that he's this guy's already had the proclivity of shooting that firearm. It doesn't matter if he's hit or not. That comes after. It doesn't matter if he was firing a warning shot. The the inclination was for that guy to take a gun out and shoot it, just like you're saying. Just everything you're saying to get it to either pull the hammer back or to work the action or whatever and actually fire it. That tells you he's fired it once. I'm not going to wait around for him to fire it again. And and you get what you get in this situation. This is um, this is a little bit different than the Daniel Shaver incident, if you all remember that from I think it was Mesa, Arizona, where uh, you know they were calling this kid out of the hotel room. Uh, the whole reason why the cops were there was it was right after the Route 81 festival in Las Vegas, where uh, the guy shot from the the uh, the hotel window and, and killed all those people, and then a couple of weeks later. Here's this Daniel Shaver. He's a um, uh, a tax um, uh, an exterminator. He was going to go work at one of the uh, contract work at one of the big box stores like you know Costco, Sam's, something like that, to to kill some of the rats. So he has a pretty high powered BB gun. And while he was having a few drinks in his room with uh, with a guest, he sticks the uh, he sticks the rifle out the window, and um, the people at the pool or the people at the um, jacuzzi see that and they call Mesa police and say, Hey, there's a guy at the hotel here. He just stuck a rifle out the window. And then the whole thing just goes haywire from there. They call him out of the room and blah, blah, blah. He's only in his boxer shorts, but he makes that one false move, which, you know, I always say was just like a deadly game of, of uh, Simon says he made one, one wrong move and, and they ended up shooting and killing him. Uh, it was, you know, uh, they were put on trial for that and blah, blah, blah. But, the, but you know, and, and the merits of the shooting could be argued for days and days and days. And in fact, it was argued in a courtroom. But what brought them there? What brought them there was his stupid activities. His, his th- There is a gun involved and you can't key up or amp up officers saying, you know, there's a gun involved here and the guy starts making false moves. We're not going to wait around. No one's going to wait around for that. It, that was, I mean, you know, these two incidents are very different in the sense that this uh, this guy in Lansing actually had a gun. I mean, that's a little bit different here. But uh, just like Tamir Rice, just like this, if they freeze because they don't know how to act, well, you shouldn't have. It's the moral of the story, John. It's why you named the episode you, what you named it. Don't play with guns. Don't play with guns. Uh, I'm, I'm- like I said, unfortunately, we just have to have that message because we cannot, we, we, you and I and others have already been pleading with people, don't resist arrest and all this. It seems like uh, most of our, our uses of force are being done when, when people are resisting arrest because there's no more respect for law enforcement. But we also get people who will have an attitude like this guy, and I'll close out to say this, you know, he's saying, whoa, whoa, hey, bro, you know, we also get people who say, I'm not resisting and are still resisting. So, when you watch a, when you watch footage like this as a civilian and you see you listen to his voice, his disposition is bearing, his uh, getting to a, a surrender position. A police officer just is not going to take that at face value. A police officer is different, and the standard we use is what would a reasonable police officer do? What would someone with the same amount of, of training and experience do? These are both both four-year police officers in the city of Lansing. I'm going to call this one justified. It's unfortunate that somebody died, uh, but this was. Uh, this was the, the ultimate outcome of, of some very, very stupid decisions. And I'm not going to say bad decisions because it goes without saying that every stupid decision is bad, but it's stupid to take out a gun and play with it and fire a shot at somebody and not expect to get cooked shortly. Uh, yeah. So don't don't play with guns, everyone. When you play with fire, you get burnt. When, when you play with guns, you get shot. <laughs> I hate that kind of that tracks. I hate, I hate to be that direct about it. Uh, <laughs> we do have a voicemail. Uh, this is in reference uh, to our last week's episode with Burnsville. Uh, th- we're still thinking about everybody up in Burnsville. I know a lot of um, law enforcement agencies are going to go out there and pay, pay tribute up there. Uh, we're still thinking about you guys. It's not one of those one-and-done drive-by situations. If you're in Burnsville or you're around Burnsville, you know the pain hasn't gone away at all. Uh, I don't know how, how the media is treating it after a week. I don't know if they've spun off to the next, the next outrage. I don't know if they have made... Uh, drew a major issue out of the conservative white male who shot at police officers uh, inside that, that house there. Obviously, if uh, 
I can imagine the news uh, taking the right. story of a conservative white male with lots of guns and ammunition in his house and really running with that. So that could I don't watch the news enough to know if they're making a huge deal out of that. So um, uh, you can check with Ann Coulter on that one. I'll check with Ann Coulter on that one. But because uh, I don't want to activate you and ruin your weekend, you know, um, I'm just going to go ahead and play the voicemail. Go for it. Hey, John and Drew, this is Jim from Florida. Just calling about the episode involving the two Minnesota officers and the one firefighter that passed away. It was a very poignant episode. Appreciate all the thought and raw emotion that was put into it. It's very important that we remember their sacrifice, even though we don't didn't know who they were. We just know that they were willing to step forward when others were not. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work, guys. Jim, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening and thanks for giving us feedback. Folks, we kind of thrive on feedback. Um, we'd like to do more of that. So call us on, on the phone, 848-COM-911. That's 848-COM-911. That's how you reach us when we're live, but you can also leave voicemails for us in the meantime when we're not always live. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we mentioned before you can reach us out on social media, but if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit like, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a comment below. I really like uh, when people leave comments. Like if you're not up to like... Um, calling us and leaving a voicemail because maybe you're just not of that generation i accept you but leave a comment below i i check those out and i reply and so does drew so if you have a message or if you have a question concern comment if you have straight hatred for us and what we do and you think that we're just covering up the lies of sheriff troy or another please leave a, a hateful comment below we love hate because we're because we're, we're we're like totally embroiled and ready to deal with that at any time but we appreciate you and we thank you for for following the comm center uh, Drew, is there anything else I'm forgetting other than like, uh, like, and subscribe to my other podcast hard time as well, or uh, you have any other, there, there is a, a super special episode coming up next week. Oh, there's a super special. It's so super. It's so special. Not only have I not been invited, but I have not been made aware. So uh, yes, you have. Oh, it, it's, it's definitely uh one. It's going to be a good one. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Even though I have no memory of what it could possibly be about. Thanks for listening to the Comp Center, folks. We appreciate you. A uh, thousand years of Comp Center. Uh, Eugene Marv. Eugene Marv. Weeb Eubanks, everyone. Weeb. Weeb. You remember Weeb Eubanks, right, Drew? Uh, the basketball player. How about uh, Goodson Todman production? Uh, DeBrickishaw Ferguson. Do you remember <laughs> DeBrickishaw? Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Tyreek Hill. A very obscure one. Great one, Drew. Thank you. <laughs>